whisper to my reflection And you forgot just how it ends Goodbye, good dream It sure was nice to fall asleep Thinking of you But now day breaks scream so loud I understand you have to One thing or two that I've been thinking through and need to slide off my mind. So if you find a little time, I wrote a note that goes something like, I don't blame you for the winter, but the way I feel when I'm alone, if I won't hold your smile against you. Write your name into a song, Olivia. But honestly, we could be happy if first we taught our hearts to stay. But just so long, and I need to need you with two left feet. First we taught our hearts to stand But just so long as I need to need you With two left feet going dancing Just so long as I need to need you With every twirl of a ball So if we can't move on Okay, well, welcome to another episode of the Chris P. Cast. The, uh, and, and, and for the sake of transparency, we, we double booked today, so I finished Corey Nickel, which you listened to last week, hopefully, uh, about an hour and 15 minutes ago, and now uh, we're on to the next one, so uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. It's good to be back, I'm assuming. It's been a week since we released the newest episode, so I'm assuming it's good to be back. Maybe it isn't. Maybe everyone hated it. It's hard to know. And if they did, we'll blame Corey. Anyway, uh, the guest that we have here today is Eric. Um, Eric and I kind of similar to what uh, how Corey and I met, which is I don't know Eric all that well, which is uh, one of my favorite things to do, uh, favorite episodes to do is with people that I am getting to know because 
the audience get to know gets to know you along with them with me rather um but we met same kind of way uh we're both on the speaking team at revive and i got together with these guys met them and kind of was like how did i not meet you before (laughs) (laughs) so eric welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me i'm excited for this yeah um eric is a avid golfer so we'll try not to talk about golf the the whole show right only half of it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um so eric uh why don't you just give us a little bit of the 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 like getting to know you stuff where you're from Mm -hmm. um what got you to moin that kind of thing yeah so i'm i'm from urbandale Mm -hmm. um grew up here um whole life went to uh university of nebraska for school um then kind of moved around the midwest um, I was a golf pro for about five years or so mm-hmm. um, in Kansas and Des Moines and Vail in mm-hmm. Nebraska. Um, what did you study at Nebraska? PGA Golf Management. I that, didn't that, even know that was a thing. That was a degree. <laughs> yeah, I was in my senior year in high school. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And there was this golf degree, and I loved to golf. And I was like, if I had known, yeah. if I had known that <laughs> yeah. in high school, I feel like right. maybe I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Yeah. I think my life yeah. had a whole other trajectory. Yeah, it, I mean, it was basically an ag, uh, yeah, ag business degree. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of pair it with the uh, PGA of America. Okay. So I got my Class A PGA license along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the degree sounds kind of goofy. But it's a, it's an <laughs> ag business degree. So um, we did a lot of agronomy stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, not super exciting okay we got to play a lot of golf nothing wrong with that no ever no not at all. ever yeah yeah but uh yeah so i'm after after i got out of golf um near the end of my golfing career i kind of started taking some seminary classes online mm-hmm. um and then moved back here um in 2013 um and been working at lutheran church of hope mm-hmm. since then yeah so cool yeah. um yeah avid listeners of the show will remember that uh this is how I connect with a lot of people because I used to work there. I'm still involved there, so a lot of hope, hope people come through yeah. this show, which yep. uh, is is sort of unavoidable being in Des Moines because they're just kind of everywhere. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. So, let's uh, we'll just start with the standard question of yeah. you tell everybody what you do right now, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll talk about who you believe you are. Yeah. So I'm the uh, connections coordinator at Hope, okay. um, which is focuses on small groups. Um, I do. Um, the new member class, uh, new member connections, um, help with a couple, a couple classes, the apprentice series we run, and then also Financial Peace University. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my main focus. Um, also, I have a side business of teaching golf lessons. So okay. I'm still in golf. Mm-hmm. Um, still love the game and uh, just kind of get to do it on my own terms and, sure. and teach at a local. local. It's actually an indoor facility, so it's uh, yep. indoor simulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've played on those. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I've it's kind of nice. Played on them this summer when it's been super hot. It's kind of like yeah, it'd be nicer to be inside. Yeah, today. it's like when it's really cold here, when there's a foot of snow, mm-hmm. or when it's 115 degrees. Mm-hmm. They're they're nice. My <laughs> first round of the year was not nearly as bad as it has been in the past because I actually had played a little over the winter. Right. You yeah, know? you get some swings in. You yeah. Get, How many of us go yeah. out there and haven't swung a golf club since? Right. You know, right. whatever early yeah. November maybe if yeah. at best. You yeah. know, and you get through half the year and then figure out how to play right yeah. and then teach yourself again you know yeah. the next year so yeah. yeah well so the big question then is uh eric who do you believe you are yeah so um you told me you're gonna ask this question I, I i'll be honest i don't have an answer okay um, that's all right <laughs> um so i know you've made it like intentionally vague mm-hmm. that uh 
that's how we can fill a whole podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's kind of there's kind of two things that I think kind of need clarifi- clarification for that question. You okay. know, um, the first is context. My my wife would kind of call me a context junkie. Okay. Um, you know, words outside of a context don't really have any meaning. Sure. Um, I'm always I'm always on that soapbox with her, and uh, whether it's reading the Bible or, or or just a conversation, that words don't have meaning outside of what what context they find themselves Absolutely. in. And so, you know, if you're on, if I'm on the golf course, and you ask who do you believe I am, or who do I believe I am, I believe I'm a golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm with my son, I believe I'm a father. So mm-hmm. um, that's one thing that I'm like, you know, I've, I've got a lot of. I think everyone has a lot of identities. Yeah. But it's like, what's the primary one? within the context that you find yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a seminary professor that uh, he said his his the word he hates more than anything is context. Really? Because it has no meaning. And I was like, what? That is my favorite. You know, huh. like that's that's always what I'm going to, whether it's, whether again, my example is reading scripture or something that like, what's going on yeah. in that context? Because that matters. See, I, and, and my, my, I had a professor, a theology professor in college who, was pretty much the exact opposite of what yeah. you just said. He's like, you have to, he would get mad at people for not oh, yeah. considering the context yeah. of the thing they were reading. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But he would, he would always say that. I think what he means by it is that it's just too vague. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would deep down believe that there is, there is context. And um, so that's kind of the first thing is that like my identity depends on what context I'm, I'm in. Okay. And, um, the other one would be my self-awareness, you know, like, we're gonna go you know really really deep and say you know my my identity is as a child of god but Mm -hmm. you know someone who's who's not a christian um doesn't change their identity right now that doesn't change the fact that it's true that god loves them and that that's their identity as a child of god so Mm -hmm. um you know my ability to be true and honest with myself or just be aware of of -hmm. what i am so um yeah i mean right now who do I believe I am? I think um, being a dad is a big, mm-hmm. big part of my identity. Um, that's kind of where a lot of my, my time lies. How I've many kids? A, I've got one, uh, seven month old. Okay. So, you know, it's still fairly new, mm-hmm. and um, that's where my world revolves around sure, right now. Sure. Um, uh, being a husband as well, mm-hmm. um, but also my work. I mean, um, I think there's 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 an issue with going too far and making your work your identity like mm-hmm. your primary identity that 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 defines you and all that sort of stuff but um you know i love what i do mm-hmm. i love being a small groups coordinator we love working at hope mm-hmm. um people that are listening that have been around hope they know it's just a fun place yeah. and it's a lot of awesome people and um so yeah but i think that's i think one of the appeals of hope honestly not that we need to sing their praises like they don't really need our this podcast help right, to give right, you yeah, know yeah but, oh yeah but yeah. uh that one of the things I always like to like, you can kind of just pop in and out. You can kind of choose your level of involvement. I mm-hmm. think you can kind yeah. of they'll they'll find something for the amount of time you have or you yeah. want to give and what you kind of want to be doing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people. I mean, obviously, a large church has is resourced to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. We'd all like to be doing it, but right. um, it's kind of nice that you just kind of slide in and out. And I think there's something too. And since you're the connections guy, I'd be interested to th- hear what you think yeah. of this. I think there's something too. like some people have told me that they like the appeal of being able to go in there with 2,500 people and just kind of not be noticed. Yeah. Every once in a while. Right. 
Yeah. Know? Yeah. There's some people that aren't there that aren't, aren't ready to, you know, dive right in and, and to commit their life to following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, like we all get there at different, at different phases and different stages. And so I think that's, you're, you're right. That being able to have a season of being anonymous, yeah. um, is helpful to some people. Mm-hmm. And, but then that moment that they want to take the next step and, and really dive right in, there's plenty of opportunities Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. You know, um, and there's probably some, some kind of flow between, you know, for anyone in their faith to, to, to go from kind of a restfulness to a, a, a quiet mm-hmm. time to a more involved time, you know. What do you think the appeal of anonymity is in the, in the context of what we were just talking about? Well, it's a big question. I mean, I mean it, yeah, it, it's, if you really want to get down to it, it's probably a little bit of fear that, yeah, that sure. people, people not wanting to fully be known, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, that's a big thing in our culture and our world in general is that we're either fear motivated or love motivated. Yeah, um, sure. And unfortunately that, that there's a lot of fear, um, both mm-hmm. inside and outside the church that, which again, it's, it's, it's fine for a season that, that some people aren't just aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, because so, I always thought, like, you know, at little churches where we've all been, we've all been to them, and and th- some people really like that aesthetic. They like mm-hmm. they like that I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna see the same forty people. Yeah, you know? yeah. I get that. There's a yeah. lot of comfort in that. But when new people come, and I see this at the church where I work sometimes. Uh, sorry, Jeremy Poland, if you're listening to this, he's the <laughs> pastor of the church where I work. Oh yeah. Um, that sometimes we just kind of bombard them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their first time coming in there. It probably took a lot to come in there in the first place. Yeah. You know, and just, yeah. and especially when they're by themselves. I'm like, boy, yeah. You really took a gamble. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, yeah. you, it's a brave thing to step out your door and be like, I'm going to go to this church by myself today. Yeah. Um, and then to have everybody kind of come up to you and start asking you all these things yeah. about yourself and all. And I could see how that would kind of be like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. So I'm just here kind of checking this out, you know, yeah. and yeah. 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 And, you know, that's, that's also depending on your personality profile, you oh, know, sure. like, you know, mine, I don't like attention. Mm-hmm. I, I like to just kind of be in the background. Um, and if I had a bunch of people come to me, I'd be a little overwhelmed. I wouldn't know what to, how to respond right, right away. Right. You know, I, I need some time to think about my response. I need some time to kind of mm-hmm. be to myself yep. and, and, and before I kind of make an educated decision on what I'm going to do, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, what's your Enneagram? Do you know? I just did it. I'm I'm a nine uh, with a one wing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm I'm still trying to figure out what that means because yeah. I I took the test and I kind of got the the little blurb of what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to look into that more. It's a real yeah. rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, that's it what I've really heard. Is. Yeah. I've had a lot of people say, you know, raving about the enneagram and, and what to do and everything. And I've always done I've done Myers Briggs and mm-hmm. um, you know, Strengths Finders and all that sort of What's stuff. Myers Briggs. ISTJ. Uh, I am ENFJ. ENFJ. Okay. Okay. And I'm a three wing two on the Enneagram. Three wing two. Okay. I, I don't know enough about all the other ones to know. I'm uh, it's uh, three is the achiever. Um, okay. I'm, I'm fairly opposite of you actually, okay. which is like, uh, I do prefer to be the center of attention and, okay. uh, yeah. sort of a very outspoken kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Corey is a two. Okay. With a three wing. So Corey oh, yeah. and I are almost the same Enneagram yeah. basically. Yeah. But, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, speaking at revive is, not, you know, my mom actually just said this the other day that in high school, if she knew that part of my job growing up was speaking in public, 
she would have thought I was crazy. Yeah. You know, like there's no way that that's going to be part of my job. Sure. I'm be a very, I, I was known as kind of the shy, shy kid. And mm-hmm. I've never been shy. Just always said that maybe I don't have the most interesting thing to talk about yeah. at the time. So I'm quite, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm introverted. I need time to myself. Um, and kind so of let things come to you. Yeah. 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 And, um, so working at Hope now for almost five years. I mean, I was, I was on volunteer staff for a year, so mm-hmm. almost five years. Um, you've had a lot of opportunities to speak in front of large groups, yeah. you know? And so I've kind of forced myself. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. It just doesn't fill me up. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I'm done speaking at Revive, oh, sure, yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah, and I'm, I get that. Uh, just like it's almost a little bit of blur because mm-hmm. I'm, I, I can't remember what I actually said up there. You know, yeah. I know, I know what I was intending to say, yeah. but did I actually say it? I don't know. I got to check the podcast. Right. Later, you know, right, right. Yeah. I, I have no idea. So, um, gosh, I don't even know how we got started on all that. Do you, did you have siblings? Yeah. I'm a second. Okay. Yeah. Second of four. Second of four. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, I'm always interested in that because the only reason I asked that is like, I spent a lot of my life claiming to be an introvert and okay. I'm clear. I'm, clearly not okay like, like yeah. as i've gotten as you get older you get to know yourself better right yeah and i've always like oh no no i do get energy from like being around people mm-hmm. and, and being and honestly being heard being seen being you know yeah um and so but when i was and now that i know that when i look back at uh my life because i'm an only child i don't have any siblings okay. And I think that the you would might assume like well only children usually tend to grow up to be a little bit more introverted okay. by nature you know because they do I do you do spend a lot of time by yourself yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what it did for me was I learned at an early age like if you want to see people if you want to interact with people or have that you have to go seek them out yeah and it just sort of made me into like that's kind of the way I am where yeah. it's like if I want something to happen, like I'm, I'm usually the one that says, Hey, let's all, Hey, what's everybody doing? Let's all do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it also made me super type a, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I send out itineraries when we go on vacation. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Right. So like, you know, it's, it's very you're like, right. all right, let's yeah. get, you know, yeah. but, um, so I'm just, I'm always interested in like what everybody's dynamic was with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always interesting that, that like nature versus nurture, you know, I yeah. mean, I've, I've thought about that a lot recently because I've got a seven month old. Mm-hmm. What if, what am I? influencing in him because you're just starting to see this personality come out sure and we were just talking to uh, a friend of ours the other day and um it was four kids and and they're all different yeah and the question is like how do they all turn out so differently they grew up in the same household mm-hmm. um and so that's just always kind of because you're not con- it's i assume you're not consciously like all right so in the last one we did this so in yeah. this one yeah let's try you know yeah. like yeah, you're not compensating like for that. one thing or another you're just kind you of know. trying to survive i guess it's 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 not like Let's draw as many golf analogies as possible. Yeah. It's not like the last time, like you're on the course and you're like, well, last time I shanked my seven iron, so I guess I'll hit my eight iron this time. Right. I, I assume yeah. you don't want to do that with kids. That's no, my guess. No, but... not at all. I, I wouldn't know. I'm only seven months in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about what, what appeals, hmm, how do I want to ask this question? I think it's interesting that your whole job is helping people connect mm-hmm. because to me that is what church is like mm-hmm. church with a capital c is like making connections yeah. you know yeah. um i've i've long said that if the way ministry is done is what we're doing right now yeah you, you, we should if we had the time and the resources we would sit down across from each individual person yep. and have a, this kind of conversation with them yep. i think and i think yep. that would be the most effective way, or the best way to do it yeah that being said <laughs> 
I mean, even to somewhere the size of Hope, there, there's no way that yeah. you could possibly. Oh yeah. You know, so I guess like I'm curious to know like just any of your thoughts on like how you guide people into finding other people, which is sort of your job, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of just finding finding little niches, little things that are you know like um, the church is always kind of interesting. The church today is interesting mm-hmm. because you know in in the first century and you know there's it was very much there's there's areas your 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 church is what's near you mm-hmm. you know and and we hope has people coming from all over the place you know from altoona i hear a bunch of altoona people from carlisle um before ames was a campus we had a bunch of people from ames yeah. coming down you know and that's 45 minutes um and so it's it's there's there's different things that people connect to um we've got we've got a golf group Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like common interest groups. There's, um, there's area groups. So we've got life groups that have started specifically in Winterset. Um, in there's one starting in, um, a couple starting in Van Meter, Altoona. So there's kind of area groups as well that they bond over the fact that they all live in Van Meter or mm-hmm. they all live in Altoona or whatever, um, or bond over the fact that we all love golf or, yeah. You know, or, way, or I, even I in the stage of life, there was a golf group. Yeah, yeah, I started it. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I should be in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, just like, what's your shared connection? What yeah. is it? Proximity? Is it stage of life? Is mm-hmm. it? Is it an interest? Um, so, it's always trying to find. I'm always looking for what are those areas that people are bonding over. My example is um, my wife and I. So we we both. Grew up in Central Iowa. She's from Ames. I'm from Des Moines. Uh, both went to the University of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Didn't know each other there. We met at Hope um, about two or three years after we graduated. Wow. Um, but you were there at the same time, huh? Yeah, Nebraska. yeah, we were both there at the same time. Um, and, and actually, Nebraska has two campuses, uh-huh. a bigger one and a smaller one. We were both on the smaller campus. Um, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it was it was not a, you know, you think of a, yeah, at the time, it was a Big 12 school. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a huge school. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a huge school feel for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we got to Hope, um, it was, um, I, I met someone who knew a lot of people at Hope and she got to know my story. Mm-hmm. She got to know that I was from Des Moines and I went to Nebraska and she's like, you need to meet someone who went to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And so it was finding kind of that Venn diagram of like, where does your story overlap with someone yeah. else's story? Yeah. Um, and or who's who's there's there's some quote that says like you can't force friendship but you can create the environment for it to happen sure yeah I love that. it's for connection yeah. you know it's you can't force connection i i put a bunch of groups together that just don't ever work sure and maybe they don't have a they don't have a shared story mm-hmm. um but my wife and i had this shared story that we were both from central iowa went to nebraska and the more we talked we realized oh you know i actually grew up playing golf with her little brother when i was 16 years old and he was 13 Stop it. we didn't know each other but we just started seeing like all these other connections yeah. in our venn diagram yeah you know? and and that's where the connection is made and so that's what i'm looking for is where mm-hmm. do people's stories overlap mm-hmm. um, isn't it interesting so this is interesting to me because in this in the, in the in the modern age and i'm not saying anything i don't think that hasn't been said already but in the modern age where we we it would seem as though we have all these ways to connect with people. We're yeah. more disconnected yeah. than we've ever been. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like I often think about as a guy who's 31 and single that like 
Remember when you dated people or friends with people just because they were close? They, like the pro- like yeah. proximity drove the majority of your relationships, romantic or otherwise, yeah. until you were done with college. Right. Like because yeah. some somebody was just like, yeah. uh, here's some people, be friends with them. Right. And we're like, all right, you know, because yeah. you're like, well, in middle school they just put people in front of my face and I was friends with them, you know, yeah. and then high, it, high school and college the same yeah. thing. Yeah, and that's almost like the shared connection. I mean, like when you're when you're a freshman in college. You all bond over the fact that you, like, a lot of you don't know know anyone, and you're all looking for friends, mm-hmm. and you're all here. Yeah, you know, and as simple as that sounds, um, I've talked to a lot of people who said like, it, it's so easy. It was so easy to make friends in college, but once I graduated, all of a sudden it's so much more difficult because right. you're not going into a pool of people who are all looking for Absolutely. the same thing. Yeah, you know, you're going into a pool of people who some people already have their circle and they don't, you know, that not really interested in adding to mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. And so that's one thing with revive is kind of interesting is a lot of those people are, you know, looking for the same thing, Mm -hmm. but out in the workforce, that's not necessarily, you know, right. And that's, you know, like the, all the, 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 the millions or probably just hundreds, but of dating (laughs) apps that have sprung up over the last couple of years, I think are just born out of our generations probably yeah. feel that, that feel that after college, like, where do you connect? Like, how do yeah. you connect with people? Yeah. Because maybe I never actually consciously figured out how to, mm-hmm. they were just putting people in front of my face. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, you're almost forced to, right. You, you were, for, yeah, you almost can't not do it. And I've ended up staying really good. Like some of my best friends in the Des Moines area are guys that just happen to live on my floor. Yeah. My freshman year of college, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so I get it. Those things can stay, they can go. Um, I haven't stayed super close with a lot of high school friends just cause you, I mean, that's just the way it kind of happens. Yeah. yeah. But I do understand the sort of anxiety of like, where do you find people? Yeah. And, and, and what you're, fe- and what are you feeling in there? If not a, the inherent need that we all have to have a connection with somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's as simple as that initial spark is mm-hmm. once you start having a shared experience together, like we both, you know. I mean, we could even have a shared experience over when we went to uh, Iowa Tap Room mm-hmm. and, and talked about sermon series, right? right? And and now you and I have this shared history, no matter how deep it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of the initial spark to to get like, uh, say, I, I was there too. We, uh, me too. I mm-hmm. was, I was in that same place, and we did that together. And, mm-hmm. You know, now our story is now my story is your story as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's interesting because you do kind of have to have like, or maybe you don't have to, but we, we at least think we need the shared, like this shared narrative of some kind. Like yeah. you have to have that. Like I can't just walk up to someone on the street and be like, you look as though we should be friends. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a, that's another thing that I'm just kind of interested in is that we tend to gravitate towards people that are like us, mm-hmm. you know, how do we, and that's where a lot of, if we're going back to like the fear, right. You know, fear comes from the unknown. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't trust it. We don't know it. We're not familiar with it. That's where I think racism comes from. I, where I think, I you know, a lot of the divisiveness in our country is that we have a lot of groups that think alike, and mm-hmm. a lot of group think, and we're not, we're not. There was a, um, gosh, I wish I would have looked this up because I was just thinking about it the other day. But there's this continuum that we we studied in in seminary that um, it was like a continuum of cultural acceptance Mm -hmm. and basically the way you moved up the continuum to more culturally accepting of all cultures was um 
an understanding and empathy with someone, you know, like getting to actually know them. Um, say it's like the homeless, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you just, I remember when we worked with Joppa years ago, which is a homeless ministry here in Des Moines. Um, once you go to those camps and, and meet those people and hear the, again, back to the story, mm -hmm. you don't fear them as much. You don't mm -hmm. fear these different groups of people, you know, you know, white, black, whatever, you know, whatever yep. it is when you realize, oh, they're just like me. Right. You know, and you start to realize those overlapping areas. But if, if we're not in a group with those people, then you're just going to assume these things and you're going to push them away. And you, I, I don't understand mm -hmm. that. I don't know that. And that's have something. You, have you seen infinity war? No. So, so no spoilers then, but the interesting thing about that film Okay. is that when you watch it, you assume you're going into watching an Avengers movie. Okay. And what you end up watching is a Thanos movie. Okay. And they do this really fascinating thing where they make that character fully realized. And you start to, or at least I took away from it at the end, I was like, oh, he really strongly believes he's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I won't get into the specificity of what, what he's doing or why, but they made it really believable. Mm -hmm. And so from that context, even to contextualize within what you're saying, it's like even the guy who is the ostensible, not even ostensible, they tell you this is the bad guy of yeah. the Avengers movie. Yeah. You kind of leave with like, okay, like, yeah. you know, like maybe yeah. there's something. And I think everybody's that way. Yeah. Like, you know, even like, I mean, the Holocaust, a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. But Hitler didn't go to bed at night being like, well, I'm wrong, but who cares? Yeah. You know, like as broken of a thought pattern as that was, right. like, even the most evil people think they're right and they don't think they're evil. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I, you, you know, there's, there's one of my favorite Ted talks. It's called on being wrong. Mm. Have you ever heard that one? I have not. And it's basically, she leads up this lady's talking about what it feels like to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, before she kicks off the talk, she's like, you know what? Being wrong feels a lot like being right because we don't realize it. Uh -huh. And so it's, I, if you haven't heard this, it's, I think it's just called on being wrong. It's fascinating how, I mean, we could tie it into this whole conversation right. of right. like a fear and, um, not understanding the other, um, someone who's different from you, mm -hmm. having empathy for someone, um, maybe having a hu little humility that, Maybe I'm not right about everything. Right. You know, if you think about all of your beliefs from political to religious to, you know, just anything, um, what are the chances that, you know, like I feel right now that all of my beliefs are right. Mm -hmm. There's no chance that's right. That's either. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, impossible. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. It's, it's different than every other person in the world. Uh -huh. So everyone's wrong in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and if we, but we don't ever realize it. We don't ever think about like that, yeah. that, that there's a chance so that I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, the Lauren, I, in Tina Fey's book, she's, she talks about Lauren Michaels yeah. has, has said famously, and you can find this everywhere, but he yeah. said like, if you look around, if you ever feel like you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Which is just, to me, I always took to mean like, you should allow yourself to be challenged by other people's ideas. You should allow yourself to, to entertain the possibility that like, yeah. maybe I'm not right about this. Maybe yeah. I'm not, you know, and that's coming from a guy who has produced a success, the most successful live sketch comedy show in the history of yeah. television you know yeah. by far yeah um with the I, well you can make some arguments about things but it doesn't matter semantics the point yeah. is that that's a guy who's right a lot yeah. like he he is a smart guy and he's right often and right. he operates from a place of if i ever think i'm the smartest person in the room i'm probably in the wrong room right you know like yeah which i think is fascinating yeah. like yeah he, he thinks he has something to learn from anyone right basically it, right yeah 
And the, you know, in my line of work, like we, I was just we talk about this all the time. Like anybody that comes uh, comes off with an attitude of "I think I know everything about emergency medicine," boy, that's a scary person to have. Yeah. You know, because you you just th- this job and this world have a way of humbling you up in yeah. in that sense, and uh, yeah, and you never know when that's going to be. You know, right? Right. Is is I mean could get back to the identity stuff like is your identity on being right mm-hmm. and if, if so you know that's kind of shaky ground yeah you know yeah and what does that even mean really yeah. you know like yeah. i mean you know being right in what sense yeah. You know? yeah 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 and like there is a i've i've thought about this for a long time but i don't know that i've ever said it out loud like i think there's we have to differentiate somehow between truth and rightness yeah you know like yes truth is a thing truth exists philosophically empirically yeah truth is and we can recognize it goodness is yeah. also yeah but rightness right yeah <laughs> so that's that's interesting i've had that conversation with several people just around like marriages mm-hmm. right i think that's one of the biggest things that i've learned both my wife and i've learned in marriage and in because marriage is like an intense relationship builder like it, it reveals a lot about you both sides you, you learn a lot about both sides right and so early on in our our marriage things would happen and i would think well i'm right about this situation mm-hmm. and i'm digging my heels in until you realize and you know i might have been right yeah but but the fact that i was putting rightness above our relationship then that's that's kind of the rightness over the truth yeah. like yep what's 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 true is that our relationship comes mm-hmm. comes first mm-hmm. the the rightness of like you know when you put the dishes away or whatever yeah it it, it, it that that's not other silverware goes an upside down right? yeah yeah that's not like an absolute truth that goes above the the our relationship yeah so um yeah we get mixed up with like rightness and truth mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. but there's it's almost again the the context of a word like the word doesn't have meaning you can you can say truth in both of the, like it's true that you know the silverware would the silverware goes one way mm-hmm. or you put the toilet paper over or under you know that's a, mm-hmm. um people may believe that's true but that's a different word true mm-hmm. in that context than to say like jesus is lord jesus mm-hmm. is lord you know that's that's a very different truth just because we've agreed we've all agreed on or we've widely agreed on something being c- the correct thing like yeah. we've all agreed this is always my example for this. Like we've always agreed, we all agree that red means stop. Yeah. We all agree to yeah. this. That is that is right. If you said red means stop, I'd say you're right. It is. Yeah. It does. But does that make that true? You know, yeah. like that's yeah. see, yeah. that's a whole other thing. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think red empirically, intrinsically means stop. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. you know, I. Right. It's just what we've assigned it to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've spun out about this many times. In case yeah. You can tell. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. What in your experience, on a, on individual levels, have you seen are some of the biggest roadblocks that people have to overcome to making connections? Ooh, um, roadblocks to overcoming connections. I mean, we've talked about a little bit about fear. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a big uh, part of it. That we're afraid of fully being known of of. Um, being found out that we're you know a fraud in some way yeah I mean, we're, we all we all hide different things in some way that, some that way imposter or... syndrome thing comes up on this show a lot it's Does just it? it's just okay. it's because i think it's just true like yeah. I, I think we all have a little bit of a fear that we're 
I, yeah. I, people that listen to the show will have heard me say this many times, but someone's going to knock on the door right now and be like, hey, uh, Eric, just real quick, we figured out that you're not supposed to be here, so if you could, you know, yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, I think that's a big... That's one of the biggest ones that I've found. Um, busyness or distraction mm-hmm. would be another one that a lot of people will... Um, you know, especially in West Des Moines, we've got so many things going on and prioritizing it. Yeah. You know, I, I think deep down everyone wants it, but when they have work and school and, and kids and a wife and, you know, all these things different to, to fill their bucket, mm-hmm. they know that they want further connection that's meaningful, um, but we fail to prioritize it. Sure. Um, that's that's a big one as well. Mm-hmm. Um. I think, and I think that we sometimes like. At least I'm speaking for myself, probably here, but that I sometimes substitute connections that I have to make professionally, or connections that I have to make, you know, in the, within the context of, of even like revive to a certain extent for us is work. Like yeah. it, 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 like it, we are. We said we're on this team. We do yeah. do that. Yeah. So I might talk to Jamie about something and then say like okay I mean I had that was my connection to for the day yeah was it though because it was still kind of you know what I mean like there's there's ways to convince yourself like "Ah, I've connected with enough people for the year you know what I mean like yeah and it's it's the the task relationship right um balance you know we 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 all have a bunch of tasks we need to do but we do we prioritize the the tasks we have to do over the actual connection Mm -hmm. and um you know we we talk about that a lot on staff at hope mm-hmm. that you know we all have a lot of things to do and that we that we need to be done but don't overlook like the small connections that that come into your into your field of view yeah. that there's significant things that happen there and a lot of times they're more important you know someone who walks in and looks like they're having a bad day we can just walk on by because we got emails to answer we got things to do mm-hmm. you know other sort of stuff but you know maybe you got to strike up a conversation with them and that's that's significant for that person and for you mm-hmm. um, and then you're behind on your emails you know yeah. you feel like you're drowning in your emails or whatever it is um, but we we don't have a way of measuring that yeah. you know I can I can say I've got 10 unread messages in my email mm-hmm. um, but the connection part of it you know the, the 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 person you ran into in the atrium or whatever it is that that really that you helped through a conversation or a real connection. Yeah. There's no way to check the box on that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, every day when I come into work, I, I make out a And if there was, list. it would mean less somehow. Yeah. You know, like if it was just another thing on the yeah. list. You yeah, know? and then it would turn a person into a task. Right, you know? exactly. And part of my part of my personality profile um, is I like to see those things crossed out at mm-hmm. the end of the day. I make a, beginning of the day, I make a list of yep. these are the things I need to get done, and as I go, I write other things on, and I want all of those things crossed out by the end of the day and if you know i've got five six things on that list at four o'clock and someone walks in well just inside of me i want to get those things mm-hmm. crossed off i have known you know. people that will add stuff to the list just so they can that, cross that's it me off. yeah that's definitely <laughs> so now i know another one <laughs> I, will, I, will, I know I several add like, i, I several did that yeah oh, i did that yeah exactly <laughs> i didn't think i was gonna get that done today let's cross that off <laughs> yep. you know yep. yep yep so i will do that what do you think what do you think? Where do you think the fear to be known comes from? Um, it's the hiding. It's it's bringing something out into the light. It's um, 
you know, it, we, we fear judgment for mm-hmm. the things that we hide from, yeah. you know, um, I don't know, it, we, we feel rejection. I mean, it's almost the connection circle. Yeah. So yeah. like if, if we're, we want connection, but we don't want real connection cause we don't, we're scared of being fully known because if they fully knew us, then they wouldn't want to connect with us, right. you know? Yeah. And, um, you think there's a value question tied up in there? A question of self-worth somewhere? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like I'm not worthy of, of being connected with because yeah. if, if you only knew my past right. or whatever it is, right. yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons the church ought to be different is that we ought to be accepting of regard, you know, no matter mm-hmm. what your background is, um, too much not i mean I, I this is this is not a knock on on hope or right, and, right, you know right. just in general the, the church in general a lot of people will um kind of conform to what the world says and yeah. that that means like you need to be ousted for what you've done or right. who, who you, you right know, who you we say you are mm-hmm. um the church should be different donald miller talks about i think it may be searching for god knows what he talks about uh, a, lo- a lifeboat, basically. He draws this long analogy of a lifeboat. Okay. And uh, to make a short story long, basically, it's that our fear of being known, our fear of, of uh, not wanting to be intimate, it might be in Scary Close, I can't remember, but all comes from a fear of being thrown out of a lifeboat. Because okay. you've only got so many, in that scenario, you've only got so many resources, and there's too many people in the boat. And so all of a sudden, you'll start having a conversation about, okay, we got to throw somebody overboard. Oh yeah. And aren't we all afraid of being the person who's, who's, who they're like? Yeah. Well, what the heck do we need Eric for? Yeah. You know, like, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I, and if you have, if you're someone that has depression, which I do, like if you're someone that has depression or has ever had it or had that period, that's a question that you struggle with all the time. Yeah. Is. I don't know what do I need to be yeah. here for? Why you do, know. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I think everybody's got a little bit of that. Yeah. And maybe haven't aren't aware of it, haven't addressed it, but it, yeah. I, I think that plays itself out in so many ways you know? definitely definitely yeah i'd agree you don't have to agree with me just because it's my show no 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 <laughs> <laughs> he read he read he read the show notes where you just have to agree with yeah, this, no yeah. matter what. just smile and not this smile isn't fox not. news yeah <laughs> zing yeah <laughs> we went we went topical that was a hard turn there yeah, yeah. um what made you sort of shifting gears i guess mm-hmm. uh just because i want to hear a little bit more of your story in particular what made you shift from playing golf to or being a pga pro yeah golf pro to then going to seminary yeah so um right out of college i i got a, a job as an assistant pro mm-hmm. um i thought that's what i wanted to do because i love playing golf but turns out when you become a club pro you don't play a lot of golf you help you, you watch other people play yeah. golf yeah you work a lot of nights and weekends and holidays and stuff and i i wanted to i, I valued being being with family um I didn't want, I, I wanted to have weekends with a family down the road, you know, and, mm-hmm. and nights and, and have a normal schedule. And, um, in the church, you're still, you're still doing things on the weekends, but, it, um, there was also a sense of, um, of purpose. Like I, I didn't feel like I really was doing a whole, like it, it yeah. really mattered. Yeah. I, I was serving, um, in upscale private clubs, mm-hmm. which I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't identify with these people, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and nothing against, I worked at a lot of great, great places and mm-hmm. I met a lot of great people. Um, 
but basically through that, the, the, the first job out of, um, out of college, I was really not happy and, um, started serving in my church, uh, Gloria day mm-hmm. here in Urbandale. Yeah. Um, and worked with a eighth grade boys group, which mm-hmm. if I could survive that, you can survive it. Who was the pastor at Gloria day at the time? At the time it was Ron Burcham. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's the church I grew up at. And, um, so I love doing that. Like I look forward to Wednesday nights when I would, when I was with those with that small group. And um, is that ELCA or LCMI? Uh, Missouri Synod. Yeah. yeah, it is Missouri Synod. Yeah. I grew up Missouri yeah. Synod as well. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, if you're not Lutheran, just disregard what we yeah. just said. It, it <laughs> yeah. won't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so um, yeah, I love doing that stuff, and and I dreaded going to work every day, and but I look forward to Wednesday. And mm-hmm. um, so a, a couple people here and there said, you know, you should check out seminary. You should check out seminary. And I was like, I'm not going back to school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I checked that box. I'm, I'm done. Hey, amen to um, that, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, it was cool that um, a friend of mine ran into Aaron Campman, mm. who's a defensive end. I Green remember. I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan. Okay, I'm a Packer fan, yeah. yeah. And so growing up, uh, Aaron Campman was was kind of a hero of mine. He's, mm. he's from Iowa. Yep. He plays Packers, you know. Generally and, seemed like an all-around nice human being. Yeah, yeah. And um, he, I think he played for Ed Thomas at, um, oh, um, now it's slipping. Every, everyone who's listening will know. Um, I'll, I'll catch it later. The high school out in eastern Iowa. Um, um, you know, Ed, Ed Thomas. Uh, Tell anyway. our producer look that up. Anyway, uh, yeah. Look that up, producer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so a friend of mine ran into Aaron Campman and happened to have a conversation with him and he had taken seminary classes online while he was playing in the NFL. I never knew that. Yeah. At Dallas seminary. Huh. And, um, I had actually looked at Dallas a little bit, but wasn't really like, I'm not really going to go to seminary. Right. Um, and kind of my, my mentor in college, he had given me some Dallas seminary, um, commentaries. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was kind of playing with that idea and. Um, my friend got me connected with Aaron Campman by email and I shot him an email and said, Hey, could I just ask some questions about how you did that and how you liked the program and all, whatnot? And, and also, all, Hey, you're Aaron Campman. Yeah. yeah I, was trying, I was trying to like play it cool, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I'll be real casual. Like, yeah. And all, all he responded was call me and a oh, cell phone stop number. It. And so I'm, I'm like shaking, you know, yeah. this is Aaron Campman. And, uh, so and again, called, you email him back and you're like, you know you're Aaron Campman, you, right? Yeah, you, yeah. It, it was really interesting. So I, I called him up. We had about a 45 to hour conversation, barely about football. Yeah. It was just at the end where um, at the time he was playing for the Carolina Panthers and he had just been cut. Yeah. Um, and he mentioned right at the end, he's like, well, now that my NFL career is over and he hadn't retired yet, he retired the next week. Oh, man. Um, and uh, so that was really cool that he he really encouraged me and, and, um, bunch of other people kind of it all kind of came together so i started taking classes at dallas seminary but shortly after i got a job offer at um prairie dunes country club in hutchinson kansas mm-hmm. which is a top 30 golf course in the country it's a very very nice course and so it's kind of a unique opportunity so i decided to continue my pro job sure. uh, out there for about a year and a half and then um kept taking classes when uh, my dad was diagnosed with late stage pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. um he lives living back here in urbandale and so i took that as a sign to come move back home um spend some time with family and and i just that's when i started working at hope and mm-hmm. um just volunteering with revive and um 
yeah but through through hope they had a connection with bethel seminary and, yeah. and i kind of transferred yeah. there so um that's the a connection seminary. that may only be growing from what i understand uh, yeah there's there's things happening I don't, yeah yeah it's somebody attempted to richard attempted to explain it to me but yeah. there was so much information as is typical with richard there's yeah. so much information packed into it that i was like yeah okay good yeah. luck with all that you know <laughs> yeah, there's, there's something yeah so but we've always had kind of a lot of we've had a lot of pastors and staff that have gone through bethel and luther and that sort of stuff so i think the most important question possibly that i've ever asked anyone is do you still have aaron campman's phone number <laughs> i do it and because it's a-a-r-o-n it's the very first thing in my phone oh of course it is uh, yeah that's the best yeah yeah oh man yeah so i shot him an email uh Oh, it was a couple years ago after I'd started Dallas and just said, hey, thanks for that. And by the way, I'm this is where I'm at and everything. And he responded, nice email back. But That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. Like I said, he always seemed like a yeah, really he, genuinely. He, he was very generous with his time mm-hmm. for what he was doing at the time. And yeah. Yeah. I guess he of, didn't really. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he talked to you for an hour. It's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. All about boy. seminary. And, and yeah, it was cool. It was it'd be cool. it's super. It'd be super weird. I, like the like, I think if I hung up the phone after an hour for conversation with Aaron Cameron and realized I had not talked about football, I'd be like, what just happened? Yeah, like, why did you know, ask like, him like, about? Yeah, like how did I not at like? <laughs> what was it like playing for the Packers? Yeah, <laughs> was it the best? It yeah, was the best, it wasn't was. it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I'm always interested when people make like that shift, and especially yeah. when you know there's so many people that ministry is a second career for them, and yeah. especially for seminary. And yeah. I don't know if that's where I'll end up eventually or not. Yeah. I, I, I can't say with any confidence one way or the other, yeah. but um, I, similar to you, have been like, you know, that's, that's in my mind, I was like, that's there and it's not going to go anywhere. Right. And yeah. Uh, when I get done speaking at Revive is when I have the, the, you know, for the week after, I'm like, I should, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then I go back to to work and it kind of goes away. And then I speak again, I'm like, yeah, I could yeah, do this. Could do and this I'm just taking that as a reminder, like, hey, this thing is here, you know, yeah. if you do ever decide yeah. or ever the time becomes right to do it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, um, I can't really say much about my, my decision process for mm-hmm. that because it just seemed all happened so quickly and was kind of a blur. And yeah. all of a sudden I found myself in seminary and, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's hard, I could, to be, I it's hard to be introspective about a time that was really about somebody else. It was about your, your dad's illness, it sounds like. Yeah, back at yeah least. He, and, I mean, that was that was about three months of it. Yeah. Um, he didn't. He got sick in uh, June of 2013, died in September of 2013. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a very small portion of my actual seminary career. But I went through some job issues that I, I didn't like. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like being at hope and the, the how how big it is and how many connections you have and i mean how many pastors there are i i felt like i almost learned so much more being at hope and doing ministry and doing yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. than it was going through the seminary classes mm-hmm. yes i i gained a lot from that and mm-hmm. i i don't regret that but um there's just so much for on the job training yep. you know it, it job training being a paramedic is the exact same way and and Mm. being involved in the education side of that now you know we take it's a lot it's so much information to learn in one year it's so much and i always tell students will always ask because i this is i've been in in ems total 11 years now okay 
And they always ask, like, how long did it take you to feel comfortable? I was like, oh, you won't have any idea what you're doing for at least two years. Like, you're going to feel so uncomfortable, you know. And then, like, two, I remember two years in starting to feel like, okay, I think I'm kind of getting this. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think I, some things start to come together a little bit. But it's just, yeah. it's, you're right. Like, the, the there's no substitute for when they're done and they're in on the job. Yeah. They're out with working calls. They're out taking calls. And yeah. just, you know, yeah. there's, there's nothing we can do as much as we try. There's nothing we can do to truly simulate that experience yeah. until they're doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so I'm so excited. I'm so glad that I did seminary while at hope. Yeah. Instead of stepping away and going and doing seminary full in, which mm-hmm. works great for a lot of people. Um, nothing, I'm not knocking that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was nice to be able to learn this stuff and then actually be able to put it into an actual context yeah. you know yeah um so i yeah there's a lot to be said for that and mm-hmm. p- part of what they've looked at i know in like how we train doctors for example mm-hmm. is they've started to look at these like cohorted learning models yeah and things that are not just you sit in a classroom for the first however many years it is in medical school and you just memorize stuff and you just yeah. listen to people talk and you just because what they found is that uh really like uh, really introverted, socially awkward medical students eventually become really introverted, socially awkward physicians. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and to get to get back to the point about connecting, I you could tell me this doctor is the smartest doctor in the whole world, mm-hmm. in the whole wide world. Yeah. But if they're awkward, if I don't feel yeah. like I connect with them, I'd rather see the guy that I connect with that got C's all through medical school. Yeah. I really would. Like you know. Yeah, I just listened to a, a Freakonomics, I think it was podcast, where they talked about. Um, Maybe it was Radio Lab. It was some podcast, but um, they're talking about the the doctors that get sued. Yeah, and it's the ones who are socially awkward. You don't sue. You don't it's, sue a doctor you liked, right? Yeah, yeah. They could they could have screwed up a ton, mm-hmm. but if you loved connecting with them, mm-hmm. those it, it's it's fascinating that people people sue. I mean, mm-hmm. based on their connection with yeah. the doctor rather than what their actual capabilities was, and and that was that was kind of fascinating. But also like the. And we've, we've, we've played with this a little bit at, at Hope, um, I guess in my role, was we retain 20 to 30% of what we're taught, mm. but like 70% of what we what we then teach someone else or yeah. experience with someone mm-hmm. else or, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's that putting what you've learned in the textbook into practice. Yeah. You know, I can read it, but I'm only going to remember 30% of it, if that, you know. Yeah. Me and the, some of the people that I work with at, at, in the education side have, have experienced some of that because it's just, there's a lot of people being like, well, they know a lot about this and they know a lot about this. And I'm like, it's not because we're any smarter than anybody. It's just because we had to tell it to this group of people. Yeah. Once you have to teach something to somebody, you really have to understand it on it a different sense. level. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, internalize it in a different way. Yeah. And, and say it three different to- three different ways because someone's like, I still don't get what you're talking about. Yeah. I still don't get what you're talking about. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. I know. And I started teaching golf lessons i mean this is you know golf compared to medicine and mm-hmm. but, the connect, but i think the theme of connecting with people is still there though right yeah 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 i've definitely definitely mm-hmm. and and i can you know when i started teaching you know i could i could do it i could hit the shot on my own but then communicating it to someone else i was like i don't know i just kind of step up and i hit this shot and i want to yeah. hit this shot i do mm-hmm. um but that doesn't work for everyone. Right. You know, you got it really simplified. And I think I actually became a better player when I was able to then teach it to someone else. Oh, I bet. Uh, I have no I doubt of that. Then yeah. I understood what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we have a friend that, and 
this is a natural segue into talking about golf because I couldn't not talk. We yeah. have to talk some about yeah. golf. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't like golf, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a friend that just started playing like two years ago. Mm. And all of us have been playing for a, at least a little bit longer than that. And yeah. so everybody, we, we try not to inundate them with stuff because it is a frustrating game. Yeah. Like it is, especially when you're starting out and everybody else is sort of playing better than you that's yeah. around you. And we, we obviously don't care. We tell them like, dude, it's whatever. And if you yeah. want to pick it up and drop with us, you can. It's that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you, you find yourself being like, all right, just one thing. Just focus yeah. on one thing. Like keep your left arm straighter. Yeah. Keep that left arm straight. And then I go up and I'm like, I should keep my left arm straight. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden you do that too. Yeah. There was, you know, kind of a joke when, when I was growing up playing tournaments and stuff. If you had someone who, who was, who you're playing with, who you're trying to beat, you know, one of the things you would say to them is just kind of like, why do you do this? Oh. And you're all swing. And then they're all of a sudden like, wait, why do I, I do, do I do that? <laughs> and then they start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. When you start thinking about it, mm-hmm. you're just, you're lost. I have always said to, uh, I think one of the guys I'm playing golf with on Sunday, he told me he was playing Otter, I think. And he's like, yeah, I was, uh, he goes, what did he say? He was like, I was one under coming in nine. And he had tallied up his score and stuff. Oh, and yeah. He, and then he, you know what, you yeah. know what happened. Yeah. He goes, he's like, triple bogey nine. Yep. Yep. I go, you yeah. shouldn't have told it up because then you knew where you were, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had to, uh, for part of my, part of my degree, we, we get tested. We had to, we had to be able to shoot a certain score on 36 holes in a day. Wow. Um, and you had to be able to shoot a target score before you could graduate with your BJ license. Yeah. And um, I played 18 of those 36, and I realized, or it was 17, standing on the 18 tee box, and I realized, I haven't made a bogey today. And uh, I yanked it way left. I know <laughs> made bogey. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What, uh, what, what do you like about golf? Like, what, what, you've obviously it's obviously a big part of your life so yeah um i mean i like the the personal challenge Mm -hmm. um sounds a little i guess um self-centered to say that it's i like the that it's all up to me yeah you know my 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 score my um Mm -hmm. success or failure depends on me and me only Mm -hmm. um i like that at the end of the day you get a number and i mean i kind of wrestled through that for a while that your number doesn't define you. you right. know, I, I, I realized long ago that I, my, I've peaked. Yeah. I'm way past my peak. But when I was on that downward slope of like not getting any better, um, those numbers really bothered me. Yeah. But I like to say that, okay, yesterday I shot this. Today I shot this. I improved by one. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a tan- it's kind of like checking, checking some, the, something off the list. I can see why you would, that, that would appeal to I, you. I, I did better. That, you know. mm-hmm. um, so the creativity of it, you're never going to hit the same shot twice. No. You know? Yep. Um, so yeah, a lot of things about it. Did you did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I, I golf actually wasn't my main sport until I was mm. a freshman. Um, I played baseball was my main sport until I was a freshman. Those kind of overlap freshman year, and those swings are not the same. No, not so, at all. Uh, <laughs> I was more successful with golf than yeah. I was with baseball, um, and so I started playing in a bunch of golf tournaments and missing baseball practice. And the coach was like, "You're not you're not coming to baseball practice. You're not gonna not gonna play." Uh-huh. Said, all right, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Force my hand. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, baseball was my main thing. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of an interesting paradox. You're a bit of a paradox <laughs> for this reason, in my opinion. Your whole job is connecting with other people, mm-hmm. and ostensibly 
reminding people that you it's okay to rely upon other people yeah. and yet your favorite sport is the it's sport in individual. which you rely on nobody else no exactly that is i never thought about it like that but yes exactly uh, but the thing i do love about golf is like you can you can play 18 holes with someone you never met before and by the end you're you know oh, pretty yeah. well you know yeah. um, i think that's one of the reasons why we started a, a golf group at hope is mm-hmm. cuz you know it's it's that shared interest but also you can get to know someone playing golf better than you can playing football or baseball mm-hmm. you know someone's on the other softball team and you know, you don't get to know the them. shared narrative is definitely there with your round of golf mm-hmm. you know and especially yeah. if you're not you know if you just went out to a course and it's like it's not a tournament or anything there's like we got two singles let's just pair them up yeah i don't really care how you do you don't really yeah. care how i do right. you know there's we're no not trying to play against yeah. each other we're just both trying to play yep. enjoy be outside and yep. play good golf beat the and, course yeah beat yeah. the course yeah. Yeah. yeah and do better like you said like that's one of the things I like to do too. Is, is is just to play a little better than I did last time. Mm-hmm. And if you yep. can do that, then you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tremendously frustrating sport. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of time, a lot of money. It's expensive hobby. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but it also feels really good when you are playing well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. As as with most things, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you can play it your whole life. Well, that's the, one of the things I'm really thankful that I got into it early is because yeah. you know I'll. I'll I'll be, I'll be the, I mean, you probably will be too. I'll be the guy that goes out when I'm retired every morning yeah. and plays as much as you can because why wouldn't you at that yeah. point, you know? Right, right. And when did you start playing? I started playing when I was in high school. Okay. Um, maybe in like eighth grade, I think I took a couple lessons. Yeah. I was never super good. I've gotten actually better as I've gotten older just because I started taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Um, and I've started watching things that, you know, watching videos and stuff, or even just, yeah. like, learning the value of watching the tournaments on TV, yeah. and seeing, like, oh, yeah. okay, that's how he Invitation. swings, Vice, that's how he swings, yep. and also realizing that Phil Mickelson can't hit a fairway to save his life, and it yeah. makes me feel better when I don't hit fairways, right, right. you know, you're like... He can't hit a fairway either. You're yeah. like, okay, yeah. they do it too, great, you know? <laughs> you watch Tiger, how he's been putting the last couple tournaments, Yep, like, I can putt that bad. I would have made that I, putt. <laughs> I can miss a three-footer as well. What's your, uh... Could you narrow down a favorite course you've played? Uh, it was Prairie Dunes. Mm-hmm. Um, that place was unbelievable. It was, um, like I said, it's in Hutchinson, Kansas. It's the one I worked at. That's At the time, I think it was ranked number 16 or 17. I could be wrong in the country. Um, I think it's now like 23, mm-hmm. 24, something like that, because new courses get keep getting made. But, um, yeah, it was it was such a cool place. It's in the kind of the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Murray used to be a me- member that's cool. His brother Brian Doyle Murray was a member. Andy Roddick was a member. Justin Verlander was a member. Um, so there, there were like big time guys who came from, come came from all over the country. Yeah. To play there, but then there was also, like a local membership of just it was a small town. Mm-hmm. I mean, small town. It's like thirty thousand, but it, there's no suburb or anything. Yeah. Um, so it was a really cool mix of people, but also it was a world class golf course. It was the guy. Um, so Alistair McKenzie designed Augusta National, mm-hmm. and then Perry Maxwell redesigned the greens okay. there. And so Perry Maxwell did the course of Prairie Dunes. So Augusta, the one a, course that won't let you play him on the simulator. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that'd cost some money. <laughs> um, for since a lot of my our, my audience is local, yeah. if you're a golfer listening to this, what uh, what's your favorite course in the Des Moines area, sort of to play? Um, I enjoy Waveland. Yeah. Um, Waveland's, I think, kind of a underrated mm-hmm. um I, I play sugar creek a lot just because it's cheap and fast yeah um the one that i think is kind of a hidden gem is honey creek and boone you ever played there i have not but i you're not the first person to tell me this yeah, yeah. check out honey creek the 
the back nine it you'd feel like you stepped out of iowa it's oh, a really? huge valley some of the most unique holes i mean the huh. front nine is kind of just normal but the back nine is incredible so yeah. it's and it's it's in boone so you mm. don't really think about it uh public course and it's not necessarily taken really it's not in great shape right but the design of the back is really cool yeah yeah so cool. it's that's yeah. a good tip. Yeah. I keep meaning it every year. I think I say, like, we should go up there and play. Yeah. With, like the guys I play with. And then I, yeah. we all forget about it probably. Maybe yeah. now I'll remember now yeah. it's being recorded on. Yeah. Here. I think I've played it. Jeez. I haven't played it probably for 10 years or more. Yeah. It's just, you just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that Adele is not too dry yet because that course tends to dry out yeah. as the summer goes on. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's. That's a fun one too. I that's like a good course. That's a good golf course. Yeah, I, I think you can't miss with like River Valley, Jester. If you can catch the Legacy on one of the days when they're Legacy. cheaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's really a lot of good public golf. We're we're really right. well inundated with yeah. good golf that like if you could spend forty bucks and play a good eighteen yeah. holes of golf, and that's yeah. really not all that impra- on, you right. know crazy. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it's a good good place to live. I did go down and play Boss Landon last year. Yeah. That chewed me up. That course yeah. is hard. I bet. <laughs> that's another one I haven't played for years and. I've uh, been talking with Corey mm-hmm. about going down there because he's he's from that area. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I would get in on that even though it's a yeah. hard course. Yeah. Um, but we can make our social plans off the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're coming up on an hour. Okay. It goes by quickly. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so we just do a bunch of random questions at the end. Okay. Uh, just to kind of let people breathe out some of the heavier stuff that we talk about. Yeah. Although we did a little bit of that with the golf, but. Yeah. Um, golf is very serious though guys don't have right. any fun doing yes. it no fun yes. to be yes. had yes <laughs> um, and don't drink any beer while you play either. that's <laughs> totally inappropriate aiming fluid yeah, yeah I say that all the time <laughs> yeah. need a little more aiming fluid yeah. um, how do you like your eggs in the morning my eggs in the morning I don't have you breakfast eggs in the morning? you don't yeah. eat breakfast I don't eat breakfast the most important no meal of the day, I don't Eric. Uh, I'm, I would, I'm starving if I don't eat breakfast. Like, yeah, I, I normally am too, but I just I guess I'm too lazy to do it. <laughs> I'll say a fried egg. Fried? All right. All right. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. What's the last uh, movie you saw in the theaters? Oh, jeez. I don't even... We did, We just don't go to movies. Yeah. Um, we saw... Well, not in theaters. I'm not answering your question. Um, we saw Our Idiot Brother. Okay. Um, on, we got it from Amazon the other day. But we just don't go to movies in theaters. <laughs> Do you, I, I like uh, Paul Rudd. He's yeah, I do stuff. too. I just saw Ant Man and the Wasp uh, Sunday. Okay, and I was yeah. like, this movie succeeds largely because he's charming. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, he's just got such a great personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd watch him do about anything. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, my my wife always jokes that I have like five or six man crushes, and she has, you know, she knows that she has no uh, no worries about our the the health of our marriage because all of my crushes are <laughs> it's some know, like Chris Stapleton and. <laughs> Uh, Tiger Woods. And, Are you you be working your beard up to Chris Stapleton level? I'm, I'm, she's told me I can't go that far. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's getting there. It's it's to say it's pretty good. It's, yeah, it's, thank it's you. a lot thicker than I remember it being yep. the last time I yep. saw you. I, I haven't yeah I haven't shaved for about a year now. What do you uh, other than playing golf? What do you do with your free time? Uh, most of my free time is spent with my son now. Yeah, I yeah, bet that's he's just learned to crawl and starting to pull up on things and mm-hmm. so it's kind of fun to just to watch him respond mm-hmm. to you because first first about three or four months it's like you're not even there you know yep and then once he starts seeing you and starts smiling that's like your whole world sure um i can only imagine got a yeah. dog too that i spent some time with and yeah Corey was telling yeah. us last episode about his new puppy yeah so. <laughs> yeah he's got a new puppy and 
Yeah. Uh, I suppose with the the kiddo, you probably don't watch too much Netflix and that kind of stuff. No, we don't even have we have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, we do that sometimes, but no, our shows are all cooking shows. Aha. Uh-huh. My wife has got me. She's a she's a foodie. Mm-hmm. So like uh, like Food Network star and yep. that sort of stuff. Yep. We, we watch yep. that all the time, and I almost I, I always lean over to her and say like. When I was a single dude, I would never have thought I would enjoy these right, Food Network shows. Right. But so Food Network star and um, the Prophet with um, Marcus Lemonis. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? I, I have not seen. I'm aware of it. I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, yet. it's it's fantastic. So. Um, it's funny. Like the, the I was I'm the same. I was like there was a time in my life I was like Food Network. We need yeah. Food Network. And now if Trapped is on all day, like yeah. I'll somehow spend a bunch of time watching it. I'm like, yeah. what? Is it like <laughs> it's, it's kind of like The Office, you know, mm-hmm. like when The Office is on. Yep. Seen every episode, but yep. you turn it on anyway. And... Are you a chronic? Uh, are you you've watched The Office more than once? Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yep. I love that show. Yep. I mean, once once Michael Scott left, I I stopped watching it. But yeah, there's some there's I always tell people that say that there's some hidden gems in the later seasons. That's what I hear. Yeah. It's real and it's real uh, inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. But. There are some pretty decent ones. There's a garden party episode buried okay. in there that uh, Andy yeah. throws a garden party. And, okay. Uh, the, the conceit of it is that Jim writes a fake book about how to host a garden party and okay. Dwight buys it. And so Dwight's doing all these fake etiquette things throughout the episode. Yeah. And it's pretty funny. Like, okay. So yeah. there's stuff like that that happens. But yeah. overall, they're not, it wasn't nearly as strong as the first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Either season three or season four is the strongest season, yeah. in my opinion. Okay. But, all right. Huh. Um, yeah, I'm a binge watcher of it. It's there's something really comforting about it, which yeah, you know, it's it just is. like when I don't want to think about what I'm watching, I just put that back on. You can pick up wherever it, you know, you already, you already yep. know the storyline. Yep. you can just jump in anywhere. You know, I've actually what I've been doing recently is watching The Simpsons again. Okay, yep. like, uh, and I don't were you a fan of The Simpsons? I wasn't. Up? No. So. For anybody who's listening that was, any of the episodes that most of us remember remarkably came from like somewhere from season four to season 10. And that show's been on for like 29 years or something at this point. But like all the episodes I remember are contained within like a six block or six season block, you know? Yeah, like the the years where you were where where I was formidable years. Well, it's the this is the this is the SNL principle. This is the best cast of Saturday Night Live when I was when you were in high school. Yeah, Yeah. you know, like when I was thirteen, that was the best cast ever. Yeah, yeah. 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 And now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, maybe not. But (laughs) that's so true. What do we? uh, What are you reading right now? Um, well, I just got a book, um, oh, what was it called? The, it's, I haven't even started it yet, but, uh, finishing, uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. He's, he's one of my man crushes. Ma- Malcolm Gladwell's awesome. I've not read because, any Malcolm Gladwell yet. Oh man. Um, uh, Tipping Point is one of my favorites. Um, I should really read that. David and Goliath was a good one. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Um, no, but the, the one I just picked up is by Mark Frost and he writes, um, Nonfiction about about golf. Mm-hmm. So I, the game was, or I think it's called the day the game changed, or something like that, or the weight, something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm gonna be starting. A friend of mine just recommended a book, and I'm I'm gonna butcher this because I can't remember who wrote it or what the title is. But yeah. it's something to the effect of like the five things everyone should know about golf, or something like that. Oh yeah, that, that's like some okay. like here's the things you need to know to make yourself a better golfer, yeah. or something. Like yeah. That. Now and this this one's like a it's a Nonfiction, so I, I can't wa- read like the instructional ones. Mm-hmm. This is an actual story about like Ken Venturi and um, a, a match that was had that kind of changed the the field of golf from like 
amateur mm. uh, focused to professional golf. Mm-hmm. And it was um, probably the 50s or something. And so Here's a question for you. Because mm-hmm. I noticed this the other day. Uh, when I was wa- Or not the other day, I guess. When I was watching the Open. Okay. For some reason, we all refer to golfers by their first names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now there's a lot of good ones. Rory. Yeah. I mean, Phil. Uh, Tiger. Tiger. Yeah. There's uh, even Jordan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I just, uh, Ricky. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. I was texting my friend about it and I was like, why don't we do this? Because yeah. I don't do this in any other sport. Like, yeah. That is, yeah, that is interesting. Or you got like DJ and JT. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I guess they kind of do it in tennis, I guess. Maybe a little bit, but yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not a tennis fan, so I yeah. don't know. Yeah, but like in baseball, you don't say Mike and everyone know you're talking about Mike Trout. Right, yeah. I, or like Chris, I wouldn't say like, yeah, Chris, and you'd know I'm talking about Chris Bryant. Like, it, yeah. It, yeah. It, like it's not the same, but if yeah. I say like, oh man, did you see what Rory did the other day? Yeah. Oh, Rory McIlroy. Yeah. yeah. You know? They've got a lot, they've got some good names right now. Mm-hmm. So. Who do you like on the tour right now? Well, I'm, I'm always a Zach Johnson fan, yeah. obviously. Uh, Tiger, mm-hmm. it's kind of, he was my growing up kind of that it was, ideal, he was formative ideal. for us yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah he was the he was the best snl cast for you he, he was he was I, I, tiger can do no wrong you know right almost almost yeah uh, he proved well um, he showed us yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i really like jordan spieth um mm-hmm. i remember watching him do some things at texas that i really liked watching him then yeah. so um yeah there's i mean rory there's there's just a couple like i'm not a huge phil fan yeah um there's a couple here and there that i just don't like watching but you know the top guys who are always in it i really wanted rory to win that what the for his fourth major or whatever yeah yeah i think he'll get it i think he will too i just know phil will i don't don't think that's good that's because it seems less and less likely isn't it you know he was he's like 47 or something Mm -hmm. yeah rory's got some years left though oh yeah yeah i'd love to see ricky win one i would too yeah I don't. I haven't really run into anybody that who watches, who follows golf, yeah. and says they don't like Ricky Fowler. Yeah, you know, man, he's he's been so close so many times. Mm-hmm. He he deserves one. Mm-hmm. I so. I I totally agree. And Let's... you're a Packers fan too. Yeah. Well, we've got five minutes to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How did you become a Packers fan? My dad was a Packer fan. Mine too. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My uh, my dad had. He just, I guess, just grew up listening to them on the radio. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My uh, my dad's from Wausau. He from Wausau, Wisconsin. Oh yeah. Okay. So when I was growing up, I just that's I gravitated. Mom's from Minnesota. Could have easily been a Vikings fan. Yeah. But ended up being a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah. Okay. And then a Chicago Cubs fan, probably because of Des Moines. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm a Seattle, Seattle Mariners fan. So. Oh yeah. There's. That was the, that's the Ken Griffey Jr. effect. I was going to say, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the Griffey. That's you the know, Griffey. right when I was growing up, you yeah. know, 10 years old, and Griffey's uh, mm-hmm. in his prime. So, um, I guess, I mean, we, it's my show. We can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> How do you feel about the draft? What are you thinking for next year for the Packers? You know, I'm not, I'm not a big one to follow the draft because I just don't, I just don't know much about it. Yeah. You know, I um, watch the first day usually, but yeah. Um, I mean, you always got a chance when you got Aaron Rodgers. Yep, I feel, totally you know, agree. Um, we need some help in other areas. Mm-hmm. That would that would really. Mm-hmm. It's like if you have Tom Brady, you're gonna always have a chance. He just has a team around him. And, How do you feel about the Jimmy Graham thing? Um, you know, since he's been in, since he was in New Orleans, I feel like he hasn't really been the same. You know, in Seattle, he wasn't. Yeah. He had he had moments, but. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know. He's just so the interesting statistic that I like to share with people mm-hmm. is that, and I'm not saying look, 
I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not an NFL analyst. This is yeah. not an NFL analytical podcast. Yeah. I just like to point out to people that I looked up last year, even though we all think he didn't really do anything, mm. he did lead tight ends in red zone touchdowns. Oh, really? He had okay. 10 of them. So he yeah. led his position in red zone touchdowns, which yeah. one of the things we couldn't do last year is punch the ball in inside the 20 for yep. some reason. So yeah. I'm, if he can yeah. maybe do that, if he gets 10 more touchdowns in the red zone this year, I hey. think I'll be happy with hey. it. Yeah. I, I hate to see Jordy go, though. That I, like that, that I didn't like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's I guess that's what you what happens when you got a guy who's getting paid that much and yeah gets injured and I really think that's some of that was freeing up cap space to oh, resign yeah. Aaron too because yeah. I mean and Jordy's got what one or two years of football left in him maybe I mean yeah. he's you know with his how many times his knee has been rebuilt and stuff yeah. I mean yeah I think it's he's... it was just too bad though he was a fan favorite obviously oh yeah I like that guy. yeah he's kind of like an Aaron Campman he just seems like a good guy yeah right yeah he's I mean, a goes still goes back to his farm in Kansas yeah get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But well, anyway, Eric, fantastic. We yeah. covered a lot of topics. Yeah, I like that. There's no agenda. For the show me. just goes the way it goes. Yeah. So, yeah. is there right. anything you, anyone, or anywhere that you people can find you, or if they want to look into uh, golf lessons or anything like that? Yeah. feel free. This is your time to pitch yourself. So, yeah. So my website's uh, ericpaytongolf.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I do some Twitter stuff on uh, Eric at Eric Payton Golf. He's a good follow if you're a golf fan. Yeah, I, I yeah. Enjoy, so I, I enjoy you as a as somebody who follows. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I've kind of got two Twitters. I've got my golf Twitter, which is at Eric Payton Golf, and then my personal one is just at epayton88. Okay. Oh, so, I don't. I don't, even, I don't even follow the other one. I just follow the golf. Oh one. yeah. <laughs> I don't use that one very much. I don't like. Yeah. Because uh, most of the time you want to tweet about what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get yeah. you. So. All right. Well, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. As for me, you can find me in all the usual places. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Petrick on Instagram, Chris Petrick eighty uh, seven. Like, subscribe to the show so that the new episodes show up in your feed. You don't even have to worry about finding them or wondering if I've put out a new episode. They'll just pop up in there. Um, please, if you haven't yet, give us a rating and a review. For some reason, that's important. I keep. I don't know why. Uh, on iTunes, apparently, it helps people find the show more. Um, that kind of thing. So. Uh, please do that. Your review, Corey and I talked about this, your review can be of anything. It doesn't even have to be of the show. It just matters that there's something typed into the box. So you could say, like, Rory McIlroy's overrated. If you wanted to, you could say that. You'd be wrong, but you could say it. And it would have nothing to do with this show. So do whatever you want, really. Um, But rate and review the show. Um, I'm glad to be back doing podcasting again. We're hopefully got some more things coming coming up and Eric, I know we're we're hoping to get uh you and Corey on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Jamie Richards is gonna come back. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna tease some stuff that's gonna happen uh later, which is that I think that Jamie's gonna interview me, which will be different for the show. Um so a lot of things happening and I think Corey and I are committing to this idea. So you're welcome to join us if you okay. want. All right. We want to rent the like check out the back room at Smoky Row for a whole afternoon and then just go up to random people and be like, Do you want to be on a podcast for twenty minutes? That and just talk great. to random people for like that 20 would be minutes. really cool. That's yeah. I've had that idea for years, but I just maybe didn't know the right people to do it with. And yeah, I think I'm, it's gaining some momentum now. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. He he wanted to I think he wanted to stop the show and go do it go right do it now. now. Yeah. Like you know I I could see him that. See him doing that so. so that'd be good. Yeah, I think so. So different formatting stuff coming won't always be an interview. I'll, we'll come up with some content and then we'll make it happen. I always say we. There's only me. There's not a staff here. Um, but, uh, and there's some potential that Eric is maybe going to do a podcast. So we will keep you updated as 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 I know things about that. I will keep you updated. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.